0: Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us. If you joined us online. Hey, if you guys got ideas on what I can do with Nate, could you email me? They warned us in seminary about your student pastor. Just so you could see, there are my preppy shoes. What do you think? <laughs> Thank you. So, if you know anything about U.S. history, this flag is a part of our history, and it was developed by the colonies. It's called the Gadsden Flag. And the 13 colonies are put together together in the shape of a rattlesnake. And the idea is, the message was to Britain, you step on us, you try and put us down, we will strike. And this flag and that phrase, don't tread on me, has been appropriated throughout our history by different groups. And The idea is, you don't tell me what to do. Okay, but then if if we get anything as we study the Bible, there is a God who says, Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I am, I, I'm calling the shot. I want every area of your life. I want your, your time. I want your money. I want your day. I want your job. I want, and, and I need that all under my control. And as Americans, we think, Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not me. Why on earth would we submit to the Lord? That's what I want to talk about today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll actually go through all the way to chapter 4, very first part of verse 1 in chapter 4, wrestling with that question, why should we submit to the Lord? Now, um, if you haven't been with us, we're studying the book of Second Samuel. It is, covers Israel's transition from a loose federation of states to a monarchy under a king. There's three real central characters in this. There's the prophet Samuel, who we're meeting, 1st King Saul, we'll meet him in a couple weeks, and then 2nd uh, King David. And we started in obscurity with a guy named Elkanah. He had two wives, one was barren, uh, and, and she grieved, and, and her uh, other wife taunted her on that because she was able to produce children. And, and she said, Lord, if you will give me a child, I, I will forego the benefits of a child, which were many in ancient Israel, and I will give him completely to you. And so the Lord gave her a child, and his name was Samuel. And after she weaned him, she left him at the temple. Uh, chapter, early part of chapter 2, we saw Han- Hannah's praise. And then the second part of t- uh, chapter 2, uh, we met Eli, who was the current priest. And he wasn't doing so well, particularly with his sons. His sons were just violating the sacrifice of God and taking what wasn't theirs. They involved in immorality with women at the door of the temple. And God came in and he sent a, a man. man of God. It's never good when a man of God shows up pronounce a word of judgment to Eli, even though you were chosen, even though you go all the way back to Aaron, and you're part of the chosen tribe of Levi, I am moving on from you. I'm going to cut you off as priest, and I'm going to raise up another line. And that's where we are right now, as we open chapter 3, we're in that transition. And remember, in, in, in a narrative, uh, God often shows, He doesn't tell, it's not explicit, but through the story, he's driving a point home. And one of those points is, will we or will we not submit to God? So here we go. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. So Samuel's just a lad. Uh, Eli, as we will see, is older. And, and, and then the, the uh, narrator makes this comment. "In word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. People aren't hearing much from God. Because in those days, the Lord spoke through his prophets, and we'll see that that's the whole Old Testament, and there wasn't a person fit to receive the word. Uh, Today, uh, God's word comes not through a person, but from the Bible. Now, we can only imagine what, what life was like in Israel with no word from God. It's chaotic. Everybody does what's right in their own mind, and that is a formula for chaos, And if you read the book of Judges, which led up to that, uh, that's what they had. And so we can assume chaos is continuing until God raises up Samuel to speak a word. So here's my question as a culture and as a nation. Are we like that? Are we not living from the word of God? So graduate from high school, I go to orientation, Um, at orientation they tell you there's this fish camp that you can go to learn more about all the ways of Texas A&M and to use my son's turn, my friends bullied me into going and they put you in groups there and they get the best students socially and they make you feel like a million bucks and so I was in a group of six or eight freshmen and there was a male and female uh, co-leader and and this guy was great and when he got done he said Andy I want you to come see me I'm in 264 whatever and, and I want you to come to my dad's church Well, we had about 10 days from when we got back. I think we got back on a Thursday, and classes would start the next Monday. He was from Houston. I was from Houston. And so Saturday night, I went to my religious service and Sunday. I went to their church. Now, now remember, this is before projection, where we can project the Scriptures, and it's before phones, where you could have the Bible on your phone. Here's, as I'm walking in here, you know something that was weird to me? You know what everybody was carrying when they were going in? They were carrying their Bible. I thought, that's weird. That's weird. I didn't come from... Tradition like that. And there were a lot of other things that stood out to me, but, but when the, the, the religious leader got up to speak, now I come from a tradition or he came from a tradition where a lay person got up and read an Old Testament, New Testament reading, and the religious official got up and he read a gospel reading. He would kiss the Bible and put it aside, and we're done. We're done. Now, folks, this is August of 1978. I still remember this. He leaves his Bible open. He keeps referring to it. And I thought, that's weird, that's weird. I'm not used to the Bible being central, something you would refer to. Is your Bible open? Are you getting a word from God? If you're not in the Word, we're like Israel. Or have we pushed it to the side? Well, Eli is getting a word from God, and here's what happens. It happened verse two, if it, it happened at that time, as Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. That's probably part of the reason Samuel's there to help him as he's going losing his eyesight. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. That means the lamp of God was on while well, it was still dark. So God is showing up and he's going to speak to Samuel while it's still dark. Well, we combine this with Psalm 5.3, where David says, In the morning will I order my prayer before the Lord. And Mark 1.35, where it says, Jesus got up while it was still dark to go out and pray. And we can conclude, if you want to meet the Lord, you need to be getting there by 6 a.m., people. And you slackers that are sleeping in, you're not going to know Jesus. Now, in seminary, they warned us about reading your bias into the scripture, meaning it isn't there. It's probably one of those cases. I'm reading my bias in here. Why would I do that? I tend to be a person who gets up a little early. And I have people in my life who ridicule that. Primarily, is, first is my wife, second is my kids, and then third are the members of my ministry team. My wife will say, why don't you sleep when normal people are sleeping? And I will say, babe, I am in the line of Samuel, David, and Jesus. (laughs) And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. The Lord calls. Samuel says, here I am. But Samuel doesn't recognize it's the Lord. So what does he do? Then he ran, verse 5, to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. Happens a second time. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Anybody parented newborns, young children? Will you get tired of having your sleep interrupted? This is the frustration Samuel's feeling. Dude, go. I didn't call you. Go lie down. You're interrupting my sleep. Why does Samuel keep making this mistake? Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Listen, Samuel is going to go. By the end of chapter 3, he is going to be recognized as the prophet of God. From Dan to Beersheba, say, from north to south, Samuel will be lifted to a place of prominence. But that doesn't happen unless to Samuel. Many of you over the years have cultivated a dynamic relationship with the Lord. And I rejoice with you. But let me remind us that none of that happens unless God first chooses to reveal himself to us. To the degree you know the Lord and the degree I know the Lord, it is because God has chosen to come down to our level. After I graduated from seminary, January 97, Hope and I go down to Costa Rica to learn Spanish for seven months, and we're going to be missionaries in Chile. And so my routine, our routine, was this. uh, In the morning, we go to the Institute. We have two hours of exercises and classes. And then I come back, and I have this little route. I have 10 shops I go to, and I have a memorized text. Then I go speak. And then they answer me, and this is all in Spanish, and I get to hear Spanish, and supposedly I'm improving. Then I come home for lunch. I finish lunch, and then I would go across the street to my neighbor, Fernando. He had an in-home business. I would get there by 12.30 or 1, and would stay to 4.30 or 5. So that's I'm spending 15, 20 hours a week with him. I would go to a men's Bible study. To the degree I learned Spanish, it was because I spoke with Fernando. So it's about we're about six weeks in, and we're having a pretty good conversation. And I thought... I'm making some progress here. I mean, we're, we're going and we're going. And then the phone rings, and he's got an in-home business. And he has about a five-minute conversation on that phone. I understood the greeting, and I understood the farewell. Because he was talking to another Costa Rican. And I realized the reason I was having a conversation with Fernando is he was choosing to speak more slowly and clearly with me. If he spoke at Costa Rican speed, we, we had no conversation. Do you understand the degree to which we have a relationship with the Lord is he's come down to our level. Samuel's gonna go to great places. Great places. But it starts with God revealing himself to him. So third time. So the Lord called I'm in verse 8 again, called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So what happens? Verse 10, Then the Lord came and stood. Not only is he going to speak, but he's going to reveal himself be in Samuel's presence, and he called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. So starts the prophetic ministry of Samuel. God has spoken, has revealed himself, Samuel has responded, and so it begins. Now, how would you like this? You're just getting started. Here's the start to Samuel's ministry. Ready? Here we go. Verse 11. Then Samuel, or the Lord, said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. That's a metaphor for this is going to really get people's attention. They're going to be really listening. Okay, what is it? In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And If you were with us last week, chapter 2, he said, Your line is done. Even though you were the house of Aaron, even though you were chosen in the Levitical priesthood, you are done. For I have told him, verse 13, I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Remember he said, Eli, you honored your sons above me. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. I am moving on. I am done. You're just starting out. If you're Samuel. You've been serving this guy. You're just a lad, and your first job as a prophet. Hey, dude, just to confirm what you heard's really happening, your house is done. How do you think Samuel's feeling about that? Verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell the vision of Eli. You bet he's afraid. How's he going to respond? He's just a kid. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am. He said, what is the word that he spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So <laughs> Eli put Samuel under a curse. I need to know what it got say. And by the way, if you don't tell me, I'm asking God to do to your family and worse. Oh, Okay. So, verse 18, Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it's the Lord's will. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli's resigned. <laughs> this is God speaking. I can take out Samuel, but that's, not gonna, that's only going to compound my problems. It's only going to make things worse He's resigned. Verse 19. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. God has raised up Samuel. And every word that he speaks through Samuel, God brings it to fruition. Here's our verse. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of, God, of the Lord. That is from north to south. Everybody knew this is God's spokesperson. When he speaks, you ought to be listening because he's speaking for God. Who was Samuel? He was a lad, or is a lad, from an obscure family. Remember a, a woman who couldn't have children and cried out to the Lord? He, he was birthed in prayer. This little fellow, God's raised him up. where He's God's voice throughout Israel. You, you talk about significance? You talk about an eternal impact? Look, Eli was from a family of privilege. We ain't talking about Eli except that that God cut him off. But we're 3,000 years removed, and we're still talking about Samuel. See, we're asking this question of the text. Why should we submit to the Lord? The Lord blesses people who submit to him. The Lord blesses in so many different ways. He blesses people who submit to him. That's not our DNA as Americans. That's not our culture, that's not, what we, we were not birthed in that as a nation, but God's people are birthed in submission to him. Verse 21, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Beginning, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Everywhere. This guy speaks for God and is still recognized. And you know, we're a, a people who want our lives to count. We want meaning and purpose, and, 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 and how do we get it? What are we doing? And we're going, 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 going. Today we prayed for fix it people. I believe with all my heart, fix it people can have an eternal impact if they're submitted to the Lord. Remember one time our car Christ, and it was a Christian guy, a Christian fix-it person. Serving God's purposes, ministering to us. And, and that, that's any profession. And we're all about going and doing and trying to, and oh, God said, let, 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 let's start with submission to me. So one of my parts of my job is I officiate uh, funerals. I'll probably do five or six a year. Sometimes there's cremation, so there's just the service. Other times there's a service followed by a graveside. And when there's a graveside, the, the, uh, the funeral home people say, hey, we want you car right behind the, the hearst because we want you out there first so we don't have to wait. So I'm out there, and I usually have about 5 to 10 minutes while everybody comes out and they gather around. So i got 5 to 10 minutes usually to look around, and, and so I do. And, and I'll see gravestones. 1919. 1927, 63, 42, whatever. And I, I think, you know, there was a day, there's a whole bunch of people out here, at the 1919 and 1927 gravestone, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know that anybody knows they're born, they're buried here anymore. See, they, they had a, a generation or two, but then we move on. Even our family moves on. This came home to me Uh, we planned a family vacation in 2018 we were down to Alabama my wife's from there and and we got to go where where Hope's mom grew up and our son saw that and and I saw that look in my kids eyes and I think I'm gonna get to Maine because my folks are from the same small town in Maine So we wanted to do that 2020, 2021, COVID wrecked that. We were able to pull it off. And I had one living uncle on my mom's side and we had lunch with them and he was able to tell the whole story how my mom quit school to raise him. And and then he was able to drive us around and say to my boys, you know, your your grandpa grew up here. The house isn't there, but that's a lot. He went to school here, down there. And then, but you know what I thought about? I didn't think about the next generation. Every time I've been up, every time I was up in Maine with my folks, uh, they would go out to the graveyard where where their parents were buried. I didn't think about that for my kids. It just, two of my, both my grandfathers had died before I was born. One grandma died when I was an infant, and one died when I was a sophomore in high school. I probably saw her five or six times in my life. I I just didn't have that much of a relationship, and so though we moved heaven and earth, and so my Kids could know the next, the grandparents' generation, the next one, no. Um, what's my point? Grasping eternity, it's, it's a futile effort. A generation or two. But Samuel, we're 3,000 years removed and we're still talking about him. You want your life to count? I want my life to count. I don't care what you're doing. You're a teacher, you're an engineer, you're a nurse, you're, you're whatever you are. Submission to the Lord is where it starts. He has every area of your life. He has everything. Now what gets in the way of submitting to the Lord? A lot of things, but I would say one is our schedule. I ask people, how are you doing? And What will they say? We're so what? We're so, we're so, so what are we? We're so what? Busy. Oh, we're so busy, so busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Pastor. Pastor, I, I don't, I don't know how this happens. How I get so busy? I want to say, I do. I, I know how it happens. I know exactly how it happens. You schedule. That's why you're so busy. You're living out your priorities with your busy schedule. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was in college say, "I'll tell you somebody's. I'll tell you what matters to people. I can tell you their priorities. Let me see two things. Let me see your date book. And this is pre-phone. When you had a day timer. Let me see your date book and let me see your checkbook. I will tell you what your priorities are." you know, Jesus was busy. He had three years public ministry. He had to get this group of 12 people and the other people ready to, to lead a church. Beyond that, he's making his name known. I mean, he's, uh, he's healing people. This is all to confirm he's the son of God. Uh, this is what it says in Luke five fifteen. Jesus, about Jesus. But the news about him was spreading even farther And large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I mean, people are coming from all over. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. I heard you got healed. Well, I want my mama and I want her friend. And and we're all coming. There's one time that people couldn't get to Jesus. They climbed up to the roof and they put their friend down through the roof. People want Jesus. I mean, there is buzz about Jesus. You know what the next verse says about Jesus? Verse 16. But Jesus himself, I think Luke meant to put in the morning, but I think he forgot to put it in there. But Jesus Himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus was busy busy busy, 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 busy. But you know what? That busyness didn't change this. He was going to be with the Lord. Having an impact starts with a connection with God. We just talked about a nation, a people that had no word from God busy. What are your priorities? Your busyness tells me, tells you, tells God what matters to you. God's calling us to submit, and maybe the first thing you could start is your schedule. What's your time like? Does God have? Doesn't need to end there, but needs to start there. Does God have your time? Does God have your heart? God raises up people who submit to him my first three years as a student at Texas A&M I lived in Aston Hall 293 Aston Hall and there was a plaque as we went out it, there was a main entrance that went into the Commons that's where we go for meals and so that's three times a day I'd pass that plaque and then most of the time when I went to class I, I had to go out that way so I would pass it another three times so six times a day I'm passing that thing for three years there's a plaque to James Aston do you know how many times I stopped to read that plaque in my three years Texas a text and passing it six times a day? Do you know how many? No, zero. Zero. Zero times to read that plaque. So I needed a closing illustration, so I googled James Aston, and here's what I found out about him. He was the CEO of the Republic of the Texas Corporation. This is a big deal I him. He was the president of the former students in 1961. That's a big deal on that campus. He was elected into the a and Sports Hall of Fame in 1968. He was the captain of the football team his senior year and he made the Sports Illustrated Silver Anniversary All-American Team in 1957. You know what? I'll bet all that stuff was on that plaque. But I never stopped to read it. And I'll bet he gave a lot of money that his legacy and his thing would go on at a and but I never stopped to read it. And you know how many students in my three years at a and that I saw stop to read that plaque? Zero, zero, nobody. So I, I wasn't the only slacker not reading the plaque. What's my point? We do all kind of stuff. We do all kind of achievements. We give all kind of money, hoping that we'll have an impact. And man, our culture moves on. <laughs> They're on. That's passe. You want your life to count? I want my life to count. Whatever you're doing, let me say we need to start by submitting ourselves. To the Lord. Why? Given our U.S. culture and don't tell me and don't tread on me. Why should we submit to the Lord? Because God blesses. God blesses people who submit to Him. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for Your Word that You do um, call us to submission. And sometimes that's uh, that's not comfortable. With us. That's not what we like. That's not what we want. But. Um, you're calling us. And, and, and we look at Samuel from obscurity to the voice of God, from Dan to Beersheba. Everybody knew. That started with a young lad serving you. Lord, as we seek to have an impact in our community, individually and corporately, would we be people who submit to you? Jesus, empower us. In your busyness, you are not too busy for the Father that we would start with our schedule, making you a priority. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.